hope you enjoy this message from St. Martin C3, a location of C3 Church, Christchurch. Being in God's presence changes us. When we encounter the God who created us, it is a powerful experience. Why? Because something of God rubs off on us. Something of his holiness, his glory, his power is imparted into us when we are in his presence. I think Tozer was um, one of the, he's an author from many years ago, but a great author if you ever read his books. And uh, he wrote a book called The Pursuit of His Presence. And um, uh, I think it, it's, a, it's a gem of a book. And basically he says this, is there can't be any more worthier pursuit than the presence of God, because surely in that pursuit we encounter God and he changes us to be all that he's called us to be. However, I do appreciate that there are many people, and there will be Christians, there will be people here, that you believe in God. You, you, you go, it makes sense to believe in God. God is who he is, created the world, all that sort of thing. Um, it, it makes sense to believe in God, and maybe you've even put your faith in God, but you haven't personally encountered the power of the presence of God. And so, and you're kind of going, well, I see other people kind of talk about that, and it seems to be, you know, a big deal to them, but I, I kind of not kind of getting it. And your experience is sort of falling short of maybe even your expectation. Well, let's explore that a little bit today. And we're actually going to go into history a little bit here and go back about 4,000 years, so just a little while ago, uh, when God delivered the Israelites from the nation of Egypt. And in that uh, season, God came and met with his people. Uh, they first saw God in a very powerful way inflict plagues on the Egyptians so that the Egyptians were forced to let them go. And then as they went into the desert, they were called out to the desert to encounter God. So, you know, they're going knowing that, yeah, God's real. We've seen him do stuff. We haven't kind of personally encountered him, but we've certainly seen what he can do. And yet Moses and Aaron were telling the people, hey, we know this God who is doing this for you, and he is worth meeting. So they follow, you know, like this is a huge amount of people. This is like a couple of million people going out into the Sinai desert all together with Aaron and Moses. And that now they, they uh, encounter God when they get to Mount Sinai. So they get to Mount Sinai and they're all gathered there. And then what happens next, and we won't read the whole story because it takes quite a while, but they're all gathered there and then suddenly a cloud from out of nowhere sort of comes down on the mountain and people are like, okay, this is, this is a little bit weird. And then the mountain, the whole mountain and the ground starts to shake. And hey, we're in Christchurch, we know what that feels like. So it was a bit of an awesome scene. They're going to go, whoa. And then the cloud turns black and there's thunder and lightning and this voice comes out of the cloud. And, and the people are going, whoa, okay, 
God's here. Like, this, is, this isn't normal. Like, and uh, it's not like this weather event, although this has hung around for a few days. Um, it, you couldn't explain it by a weather event that's just coming and going because it stayed for, for weeks and months at a time they, as they gathered around Mount Sinai. God had come personally to meet with his people. Okay, we pick up the story. Exodus chapter 20 and verse 18. We read these words. When the people heard the thunder and the loud blast of the ram's horn, and when they saw the flashes of lightning and the smoke billowing from the mountain, they stood at a distance trembling with fear. And they said to Moses, You speak to us and we will listen, but don't let God speak directly to us or we will die. Don't be afraid, Moses answered them, for God has come in this way to test you, and so that your, your fear of him will keep you from sinning. And as the people stood in the distance, Moses approached the dark cloud where God was. Now, what's happened here is that God has revealed himself. He said, hey, I want to meet with you, my people. But Moses goes on behalf of the people of Israel. But at least there is now a greater awareness of who God is. God is holy and God is powerful. He wants everyone to come to him, but he says, don't come if, you're, if you've got sin in your life. There is a cost to meeting with God. There, to come into the presence of God, we have to come clean into his presence. So Moses says, prepare yourselves. And they went through this um, time of repenting of their sin and making sure they had come clean before God. But the people were still going, hey, we'll just stay at a distance. And that's okay, but they missed out on what Moses came to experience. Moses, when he, he went up the mountain and into the cloud, met with God face to face. And we read further on in Exodus chapter 33, verse 11, this really interesting verse. It says, inside the tent of meeting. So they, Moses sets up this tent of meeting. And the Lord would speak to Moses face to face as one speaks to a friend. Wow. Wow. Imagine that. Imagine the God who created the universe coming down and talking with you just as we're talking now, face to face. And so Moses, in his pursuit of the presence of God, gets this beautiful reward of encountering God face to face, being changed by that friendship that he has with God. How do we know that? Well, further on in Exodus 33, we read these words. Verse 17, The Lord replied to Moses, I will indeed do what you have asked, for I look favorably on you and I know you by name. And Moses responded, Then show me your glorious presence. Now let's just pause there for a moment. Isn't that, isn't that bolshy? You know, like, like Moses is in the very presence of God and he goes, I want more. I, I know this is amazing and I know seeing your glory and your holiness and all your goodness and who you are. I, yeah, but I want more. I, I, this is so good for me. Can I, can I have more of this? And so we pick it up in verse 19. The Lord replied, I will make my goodness pass before you and I will call out my name Yahweh before you. For I will show mercy on anyone I show, anyone I choose, and I will show compassion to anyone I choose. But you may not look directly at my face, for no one can see me and live. 
The Lord continued, Look, stand near me on this rock. As my glorious presence passes by, I will hide you in the crevice of the rock and cover you with my hand until I have passed by. Then I will remove my hand and let you see from my see me from behind. But my face will not be seen. So then Moses meets with God. This we assume that this happens. We don't actually know that this happens, but we assume that this happens. And then in this um, ongoing encounter that Moses has, has with God, he rewrites the, the Ten Commandments on new stone tablets. And we pick it up in verse 29. When Moses came down from Mount Sinai, carrying the two stone tablets inscribed with the terms of the covenant, he wasn't aware that his face had become radiant because he had spoken to the Lord. So when Aaron and the people of Israel saw the radiance of Moses' face, they were afraid to come near him. But Moses called out to them and asked Aaron and all the leaders of the community to come over, and he talked with them. Then all the people of Israel approached him, and Moses gave them all the instructions that the Lord had given him on Mount Sinai. When Moses finished speaking with them, he covered his face with a veil. But whenever he went into the tent of meeting to speak with the Lord, he would remove the veil until he came out again. Then he would give the people whatever instructions the Lord had given him, and the people of Israel would see the radiant glow on his face. So he would put the veil over his face until he returned to speak with the Lord. Now, what I want you to get here is pre-4,000 years ago, most people had no idea of who God was. There were a few people on the planet who believed in God and, and they kind of tried to guess what God was like. But this was the first time that God had come in a very personal and powerful way to meet with his people. And in particular, Moses. Moses gets this uh, wonderful privilege of this close encounter with God. And it completely changes him. It literally changes his physical appearance. He, he literally glows, you know. And all the women out there who like to glow, their skin to glow more, going, you know, be in God's presence. There you go. There's a, there's a tip for you. Um, so Moses, Moses is just glowing with the, the presence of God. But that's not the only thing that's changed. His thinking would have changed. His, his heart would have changed. His whole manner would have changed from being in God's presence. Now, let's... Fast forward a couple of thousand years. Christ has come. He, he died and he rose again for us. His spirit was released to us. And so Paul, in the context of this, writes this letter to 2 Corinthians chapter 3, referencing Exodus 33. Let's read it together. 2 Corinthians 3, verse 4. We are confident of all of this because of our great trust in Christ in God through Christ. It is not that we think we are qualified to do anything on our own. Our qualification comes from God. He has enabled us to be ministers of this new covenant. The old covenant was written on stone, but this is a new covenant. This is a covenant not written in laws, but of the Spirit. The old written covenant ends in death, but under the new covenant, the Spirit gives life. The old way with the law etched in stone led to death, though it began with such glory that the people of Israel could not bear to look at Moses' face. For his face shone with the glory of God, even though the brightness was already fading away. Now here's the bit I really want you to get hold of today. Verse 8. 
Shouldn't we, that's us, the church, shouldn't we expect far greater glory under the new way now that the Holy Spirit is giving life? If the old way, which brings condemnation, was so glorious, how much more glorious is the new way, which makes us right with God? In fact, that first glory was not glorious at all compared with the overwhelming glory of the new way. So if the old way, which has been replaced, was glorious, how much more glorious is the new, which remains forever? Since this is the way, since this new way gives us such confidence, we can be very bold. We are not like Moses who put a veil over his face so the people of Israel would not see the glory, even though it was destined to fade away. But the people's minds were hardened, and to this day, whenever the Old Covenant is being read, the same veil covers their minds, so they cannot understand the truth. And this veil can be removed only by believing in Christ. Yes, even today, when they read Moses' writing, their hearts are covered with a veil, and they do not understand. But whenever someone turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. For the Lord is spirit. And wherever, wherever the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. So, all of us who have had the veil removed, put our faith in Christ, can see and reflect the glory of the Lord. Let me say that again. Those who have put their trust in Christ, who have had the veil removed, they can see who they are, they can now see who God is, what he has done for them, they can now see and reflect the glory of the Lord. And the Lord, who is spirit, makes us more and more like him as we are changed into his glorious image. Now, I know that was a whole lot of scripture. There's more scripture than we normally read all at once. But I wanted to read all of that scripture for you to get it really clear, the point that Paul is making here. He is referencing what, Mo, what this encounter that Moses has with God 4,000 years ago. And right from that time up to Christ, people would have gone, no one has encountered, maybe Isaiah when he had the, the vision of heaven, but there would be very few people in history that had an encounter like Moses had. And so Moses was revered in Israel. Why? Because he met with God. He had this face-to-face -face relationship with God. He knew God and he could then reflect that glory and that knowledge and that wisdom and impart that to people around him. And so he was revered like, hey, this guy is amazing. Like, wouldn't that be amazing to have that close relationship with God and be able to reflect it to others? And now Paul's point here is, hey, you're missing the point if you're still looking at Moses as an example. You are now that example. You can meet with God face to face. Why? Because Christ has removed that barrier so that you can come and stand in his presence. The Spirit of God is working now in your heart so that you, you're aware of God's presence. You can hear his voice. What a great privilege. What a great privilege it is that we live in this time that's after Christ because we now get to experience a greater depth of the glory of God than even Moses experienced. And you look back there and go, wow, that would be amazing. Well, all of that is available to us now. 
Paul's main point is this, is that God has sent his Holy Spirit for this very purpose. For this very purpose, that we would be empowered to come into God's presence. And then when we are in God's presence, we'd be changed by him. And then we, when we go out into the world around us, we reflect that very glory that we encounter in God's presence. So that's why we're calling this series Called to Be. What are, we, what are we called to be? We're called to reflect the glory of God. We're called to be pursuers of God's presence. I love that, that verse at the end of 2 Corinthians here, that we're called to see, see God's presence and then reflect God's presence to other people around us. Now, I accept I accept that there is some mystery to this, okay? I, I, I get this. I, I don't quite know why, you know, as Christians, sometimes we can have quite a dramatic experience of God's uh, presence, and we go, oh, that was awesome. And then the next week we came with, come with the same expectation, or the next day we come with that same expectation, and it's just not quite the same. Do you know what I mean by that? Like, um, you know, there are times I, I put my headphones on and I'm in worship and I'm walking around Prebleton where I live and I'm praying up a storm and I just feel like, oh man, I'm just like, just right in the zone today. I feel like I'm in the presence of God. He's just right there and, you know, man, I'm gonna, this is going to be a great day, you know. And then there are other times I'm kind of going, yeah, I know God's with me. But it just doesn't quite feel the same. Have I got some friends out there or is it just, okay, got a few friends out there. You know? And, and I, I get that. And I get the frustration of that. I, I understand that um, you know, there are times where you've looked at um, church or you've been in meetings in the past and they've seen so big and so powerful and the presence of God has, has been there. I'm old enough, you know, I was a, around in the 70s and 80s when Pentecostal, you know, where there was that sort of renewal movement going through New Zealand. And there were, there were times that I was like just going, oh, I just don't want to leave church. This is just so good. Uh, I remember one particular time, uh, Jenny and I were youth pastors in Dunedin and we took this um, group of kids up to a youth camp um, sort of up near Ranfurly Way. And um, and we would have started this youth meeting about, oh, it would have been after dinner, like 7 o'clock at night. And I mean, it, it's hard to describe it, but God just showed up. Like, it was just, there was, like, half this youth group were pretty sceptical kids that um, probably weren't even saved or anything like that. And, um, and we, we just had this amazing worship time, and, and, the, and the band went to stop. And everyone said, no, no, just, just keep going, keep going. Like this band played, yeah, sorry. For, you know, like they, uh, they, they must have played from about 7.30 to about 11 o'clock. Like it just, it just carried on because everyone didn't want to go to bed. Like God was there. And these young people were just weeping and, or, or just sitting and just like being impacted by God. And uh, so we're going, oh, man, this is awesome. Yeah, this is great, you know. And uh, then, you know, you do, you do the next youth camp six months, a year later, and you go, right, well, that's what's going to happen again. And it didn't quite happen like that. And I don't understand that, okay? There, there, is a, there is a mystery to that because I think God is bigger than our formulas of going, okay, we do these songs and this song and, and, and that sort of thing. Because it's actually not about, at the end of the day, it's not about the songs we sing. It's about 
our hearts and how we are responding to God and what God wants to do among his people. And I appreciate that there are um, times where we are really seeking after God, we are pursuers of his presence, we are wanting more of God in our lives. We, we read this and go, we know that, that the Spirit of God is here, we know that God has more for us, but we've, we've been persistent in this and we just don't seem to get that breakthrough in our prayer life or in our worship time when we're um, here in church. But can I give you a few encouragements from what we uh, see from Paul here and from some personal experience and watching others? is that our attitude does make a big difference. It really does. And if you're distracted by the things of life, and I appreciate there are a lot of distractions at the moment, and, and you just go, you just don't prioritise that prayer time. You're just not prioritising that worship. You're just not prioritising church. Then your, your mind and your heart will drift onto other things. If there's been sort of some times of dryness in your walk with God where you're going, yeah, you're faithful to him, you're doing everything right, but you're not experiencing God to the level you want, it's easy for your heart to become a little bit cynical. and go, ah, yeah, I'll just settle for less. Or maybe you just become over-familiar. You know what I mean? It's like, yeah, there's, there's there's a sense of peace and holiness and goodness when we're in the presence of God and you come into church and go, yeah, this is nice. But you kind of just shrug it off and go, yeah, yeah, well, it should be like that. You know, it's, it's almost too familiar. Don't do that. It, it, it's not helping you come into the presence of God. What does help? What we see in Scripture is that we enter into his courts with thanksgiving. And we had a prophetic word that came out in relation to that last week. So let me just remind you of that again. Come with gratitude. God, I thank you for who you are. I thank you for what you're doing in my life. I thank you that I can be in your presence. I thank you that you've removed the veil so that I can encounter you. I thank you that the Spirit of God is working within me and I can connect with you. I come with gratitude and thanksgiving. It breaks that spirit of cynicism in, in our lives. The next attitude to come is come expectant. Come going, God, I'm ready for you to do whatever you want to do. Now, if that's dramatic and powerful and life-changing today, then I'm up for it. You know, I'm all in. Yep, I'm in. Let's, let's go. And if that's just, hey, God's just reminding you that, hey, I'm here for you. Everything's, everything's good. Let's, let's keep going. That's okay too. But whatever, whatever God has for you, just come expectant. Come with openness. And come with intentionality. Come going, hey, I'm going to meet with God today. I'm not just coming to church and we're going to sing some songs and okay, I just need to go through this until we get to the other stuff. No, 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 no. Come with your heart being open and expectant and focused. Not distracted as to, you know, uh, no, I better not mention some of the distractions because otherwise your mind's going to go there. So we won't go there. But not distracted on other things, but focused on God and who he is. As we kind of outlined last week, 
we sense as uh, the leadership of this church that um, as we go through the month and um, maybe I don't know what time after that, but I believe that we're in a season of revelation. Okay, now what do I mean by that? I believe that um, God is bringing us as a church in St. Martin's into a season where he wants to open up heaven over our lives, both as a church and personally. And as we commit ourselves to prayer, as we commit ourselves to worship, as we come with these attitudes of gratitude, of expectancy, of focus, God will meet with us. In your personal prayer time, he will meet with you. In your time where you come with that attitude and we gather in worship, and whatever that looks like, whether it's online or um, whichever gathering we're in, if we come with that attitude of worship, he will meet with us. That is why he sent his spirit to us. And when he does, there'll be a greater revelation of who God is. And as we mentioned at the start, as we encounter who God is, as we encounter the glory, the majesty, the, the, the goodness, the perfection of God, as we focus on that, as we give our time to that, we cannot help but be changed in God's presence. Now that may look very different to you than someone else next to you. It doesn't matter. It's your journey, okay? It's your journey that you're on. It's what God is t- where God is taking you. The main encouragement that I'll give you today is seek to go deeper wherever you are on that journey today. Go, okay, God, I thank you for how far you've taken me to this point now. But I want more of you. But like Moses did when he was in that time with God, he says, God, I know you're glorious. I know you're powerful. I know you're holy. I know that you know my name, but I need more. And if it was okay 4,000 years ago for Moses to ask that, and now the veil has been removed and that way has been opened for us, as Hebrews says, let's boldly come into the throne of grace and ask for more, because God has more for you. And if you want to do some reflections on that, go through the devotions uh, this week, and there's some, we, we kind of go on a bit of a journey through Hebrews. But God has more for us. God wants to download more into your heart. I, I, I believe that there will be a time in the coming weeks where there'll be such confidence and such boldness in this community as to what God is leading us to do and encouraging us to do. And it's going to come out of this time of focus and prayer. It's going to be really powerful. So, hey, if you've, if, as we go on in these weeks, if you've got testimonies in that regard, share them with us and we'll, we'll share them from the front if we can so that we can uh, encourage other people. And a practical suggestion we are making, we are not, this is not, you know, j- let me just be really clear here. We are not mandating this or anything like this. This is just an encouragement from us. Is, uh, and what, I put it on the email this week is maybe for the next four weeks you could take a day a week. Here's the, here's the rub. You know, we take a day a week and just fast for that day. Drink water, drink juice, that's fine. Keep your energy levels up. But just instead of eating breakfast, lunch and dinner or whatever you do, just set aside that time and pray instead. 
Just one day. You don't have to do it all seven days. If you want to do more, you can if you want. But um, let's just get into that habit of setting aside that time and saying, God, I am seeking after you. I need you. I, I want to encounter more of who you are so that I become changed to be more like you. We're going to sing a song in the moment, so uh, team, you could come up. That'd be great. Um, and and the song is breathe on us. And you might think, well, that, that that's a bit of weird words to say, but it's it, it's it's a metaphor of God imparting His life, His Spirit into us, filling us with His life, that we may encounter more of Him. And as we sing this song, it's a fairly simple song, so once you get to know the words, you should be able to close your eyes and just let this, let this song be a prayer today. Let's, let's start practicing what we've been talking about today and, and come to God and worship. We've still got 10 minutes or so before we need to pick up kids or whatever, so we've got some time to just, just be in His presence. And let's start seeking God together. Let's be pursuers of God's presence. Amen? Let's stand together. Let's sing. Well, let's pray, and then we'll sing. Lord God, we need, we so need more of you. And we don't don't have to understand all the dynamics of experiencing your presence. We don't have to have all the answers. We just need to come with gratitude, with expectancy, with focus. And so we do that now. We choose to still our hearts before you and seek your face. And I pray for everyone here today, wherever they're at in their journey with you. Lord, I pray that you would release a greater revelation of who you are as we worship today. I pray that we go a little bit deeper with you today. Lord, that you would ignite a spark that would be a, a spark of passion to pursue you with greater clarity, with greater passion, with greater depth than we've ever done before. And as we set aside time to pray and fast and seek your face, I pray, Lord God, may we encounter you. And as we encounter you, may you change us. God, may you change us. Take us deeper. Take us deeper. Thanks for listening to this week's message. To learn more about our church, visit c3chch.org.